1: Accelerating Payments and Improving Cash Flow with HSBC Corporate Cards Welcome to Episode 5, Future-Proofing Your Card Payments Program. This is Episode 5 in a series of podcasts presented by Visa and HSBC with me, Vincent Davis. How can you make sure that you are eliminating the need to go out to expensive tenders for RFP, Request for Proposal? and maximising your existing programme. In this episode, we're trying to set up and tie up the themes about card payments and look at the importance of future-proofing your card payment programme. Because when the time comes to consider whether you might need to go out to tender, you'll be taking into account the perceived cost of change and the extent to which you've already taken measures to safeguard your future state with your issuer. The theory we will be exploring in this episode is that if you're already sharing good data with your issuer, you're working together to define and fulfil the business case for card payments, there shouldn't be a need to go out to tender. This all starts with building an anti-fragile programme that means you're continually finding new ways to back up that business case, talking to your cardholders about their use, increasing the amount of spend and transactions, focusing on the most relevant suppliers. Let's examine the cost of change first. Behavioural scientist and psychologist, Nobel Prize winner Daniel Kahneman, has written a lot about psychological factors at play when we weigh up losses versus gains and how the pain of losing can be twice as powerful as the pleasure of gaining. It's why, for example, people will stick with their existing phone instead of switching to a shiny new alternative, simply because they can't overcome the obstacle or the remembered pain that they had of having done that last time, the switch of passwords, the updating of apps and all those sorts of things. We tend to overrate and overestimate the emotional cost of change as a result. If you're invested in something, it's difficult to change. And when customers go out to an RFP, a request for proposal, most of them never change. We know that 20% of customers in this market, the cards market, go out to RFP each year, but only about 30% of those actually ever change. And another 40% are effectively aimless. They, They are not bound to any future state that they've set out. So they would typically rate the cost of changing much higher than the benefit they might receive. The perceived cost of change isn't the crucial factor, however. As long as the current solution achieves the business case, there's really no strong answer to the question, why change? Not when you've got a future state that you're working towards, an issuer that continues to help you get there, and you're involved in the process of sharing more and more relevant data with your issuer. Then you're in the process of actually future-proofing your program. You as customers are not likely to have evidence of what it will cost you to change you'd have a sample size of one, your own business. And the logical approach would be to look at both the benefits and the cost of change. The benefits could be things like increased transaction capture, automation, or improved compliance, reduced audit, and so forth. But if you can't get those things from your current issuer, then you may look to change. But if you can get all these things from the existing issuer, then why change, especially since there will be no costs? Costs are likely to be things like your time and resources, reputational risk, what if this fails? Contracts, cost of files, information technology, integration costs, ERP integration, and those kind of things. The research that we have conducted shows that there are six key areas that are important to customers when considering the cost of change. This can be contracting and documentation, representing around 27% of costs. Change coordination with third parties, like your ER provider, which could be around 26% of costs. And then things like reporting data and file integration, around 25% of costs. There are other things like cardholder setup, rollout, policy amendments, and card administration, and those sorts of things. But from the statistics we just gave you, it shows that around 78% of costs come from areas that are not going to really add any value or benefit. So the alternative to change is future-proofing the solution you already have. And that means making it anti-fragile, a word we've used a few times. This word anti-fragile is borrowing a term from Nassim Taleb, the writer. Essentially, it means that the more you test something, the more you can make it stronger So customers should build anti-fragile programs that get stronger as they're stretched and tested more. It's a basic scientific process. Let's look at future-proofing your business. The top-line measurement for customers when it comes to that future-proofing should be looking at the percentage of spend and transactions that you're getting on card versus what you've targeted. If the proportion is low, you're not future-proofing your business. Whereas each time you capture a transaction, you might be able to do something with it. So that's the opportunity cost. Also look at how much you're able to automate the organisation in general. What other technologies could you improve the use of the return on investment with were you able to automate more payment transactions? You should look at card utilisation and make sure it's spread across the company. Above a certain amount of transactions per year, an employee should get a card. It shouldn't just be refined to a small amount of people. The more the process is automated and the more card utilisation is entrenched in the organisation, the more anti-fragile it is. The key test is what would happen if the per- person running your card programme wasn't there tomorrow. Would it still justify itself or would the next person ask, what's the point, and put out an RFP? You should be looking at policy compliance. You want higher levels of people using it as intended. Supplier acceptance is an issue for future-proofing. That Let's say there are 10,000 suppliers and 2,000 are dormant, and the company is only paying for cards with 500 of those. Is there an opportunity to get more of your suppliers on board? Finally, look at the controls and monitoring. We looked at in episode one. Are those controls in place? Be ready to improve how efficient your card process is compared to a challenger solution. You have to work with your card issuer to future-proof your solution in return for more spend, loyalty, new opportunities, and perhaps even products. There's a lot of expertise available from your bank to help in the following kind of areas. Implementation, account development, payment strategy optimization, relevant card acceptance for your targeted suppliers. And then there can be things like client conference and user forums, and then finally, helping you to get the most out of your chosen technology. Other ways to future-proof is to look at some elements we discussed in episode one. Your business footprint. Implement your cards where you need them across the world. Your card distribution policy. Control that spending and leakage. Standardise global processes where you can. Compliance. Improved policy compliance and streamlined transaction processes can help you improve the return on investment you're getting. And finally, cardholder experience. Do customers understand how and where they should be using their card? To enhance that customer experience, those cardholders need to know the number of employees, cards, employees to ratio, the spend as a percentage of revenues, transactions per card, and so forth. These are all data points that you as the customer should be working with your card issuer on. By knowing these, you will know where you are and where you want to be in the future. To expand on this topic, we have guest speaker Joanne Towers, Managing Director, HSBC Europe. So when we're looking at future-proofing a um programme... how do you, I know you have some thoughts, Joe, on how you use cards as a mechanism as part of an overall portfolio and that it will depend upon the circumstances uh, within that organisation at the time. So maybe you can talk us through how you've seen things uh, evolve.
0: Yes, yeah, certainly. So um, I, th- I think it's having a, a broader portfolio view and, and understanding um, how different solutions work for different scenarios um, and challenges that you might have at, at a particular time. I think we're all very familiar with um, companies having card programmes to manage travel and expenses. Um, but in the current climate, nobody's really travelling anywhere. So if, if that's all you were using your cards for, they're probably, they're, you're probably not using it for very much just now, um, which is where we can really help because you can broaden the portfolio and, and just having an eye on what are the other opportunities, um, particularly around proc- procurement and your accounts payables, Um, Or even when you've got people working from home and security might be um, one of your concerns where you might want to be using a one-time password with a virtual type card solution. Um, So I think it's about having a broad view of the different opportunities and the different solutions that you can use and not being set just to one thing um, and which may or may not be relevant.
1: That was Joanne Towers, Managing Director, Head of Payments and Cards at HSBC Europe. So... Let's recap. When we're looking at future-proofing the business, we actually end up going back to the same themes we discussed in earlier episodes. Any business needs to ask itself several questions. Where we are? Where do we want to get to? How are we going to get to there? And what's our compass? How will we know where we are? From episode one, We know that means making sure you know what your environment is and how you can best function. From episode two, it's about joining up functions across the organisation and breaking down those silos. From episode three, it's about making sure there are prizes for both buyers and suppliers in form of business case. And from episode four, it's about opening up the amount and quality of data you're willing to share in pursuit of greater benefits and experience. (laughs) That's the end of this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Please make sure to listen to the other episodes in this series. I'm Vincent Evis. Thank you very much for joining us.
0: Thank you for joining us for HSBC Talks Business. To learn more about anything you heard today, please visit business.hsbc.com.